Uh, so glad you're here. We're going to have a chance to worship in a moment. If you're wondering what happened to the worship, we're going to worship today. You're going to have a chance to raise your voice, and um, we're going to worship today. Again, just Legacy Fund. Um, it's our fund towards a permanent facility that is always open, that's still open. You can still give to that, not just at Christmas, and it's growing. And we believe God has a plan for us and a permanent facility, and everybody said. And then also we're figuring out what we're doing this spring with a venue challenge. We got to look for a new place, and we hope to have, be able to share with you uh, the solution next Sunday. So stay tuned for that. Um, so God is moving. God is helping us. Keep praying. God has a good plan. Amen? Amen. Really glad you're here today. Again, welcome again to our online church. We have Ivy tuning in from Ontario and Heather from Ontario. And we have people from Cape Breton and the Philippines this morning and from Yarmouth and from Halifax. And outside Halifax, even in Hubley today, we're really glad that you have joined us today. If you have your Bible today, would you turn to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. We're going to talk this morning on this title, Sound On. If you're taking notes today, balcony, I see you. Hopefully some note takers in the balcony today, note takers in the place. Write this title down somewhere, Sound On. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. Father, I thank you for every person that is here today, both online and in person. Father, our desire is to encounter your presence and your goodness. God, we thank you for these moments that they shape not only our days, but our years. And God, we don't underestimate the power of a moment. There's still miracles in this place and in these moments. So God, would you meet with your people? Would you speak clearly to the guests? I pray they would encounter the living God that is obsessed with them and loves them. Father, I pray for every one of us today, Father, we would hear your voice and we would know your presence. And God, I pray this message would both encourage, convict, and uplift. In the name of Jesus Christ, and everyone said, sounds can be unique. I don't know if you know that. Sounds can be very, very unique. When I, my first car, uh, when I was 16, I remember the car everybody wanted. When I, I grew up, my teenage years, my high school years were in the 90s. Any 90s people? Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Remember? Ace of Bass was on the radio. Some of you guys lost a whole generation right there. Some of you need to see a sign right now that just says, Thank you for the four people that are old like me and got that joke of Ace of Base. And I remember the dream car in high school for me and all my buddies in Sackville was a five-liter Mustang. How many know something about a little five-liter Mustang? How many know that car? How many, anybody have a five-liter Mustang in their life? You were my hero. That was the dream. Everybody in my high school wanted a five-liter Mustang. That thing, you could hear it had a rumble to it when it was just parked. I remember a friend of mine had one, and you get in that thing, and you could turn the wheel, and it had so much horsepower, you hit the gas, it would just do donuts in the school parking lot. Um, not that we did that. Not that I condone that. Uh, Maddie, who just got her beginners, not that we condone that, my daughter. But um, I remember sitting at stoplights, and you could hear the sound of it pulling up beside you. You knew what it was before you saw it. Five liter, 5.0 Mustang. Hatchback or fastback or with ground effects, and... Bobby in my graduating class had a candy apple red one. The thing was always shined up. His brother had an IROC with a chip in it. Don't even know what that means, but it meant it was fast. My first car was not a five-liter Mustang. My first car, I think we have a picture of it here, was a, a 1984. Why'd you laugh? Why you laugh? That's what cool looked like in 1993 right there. Yeah, look at that. Look, at, I'm, My mother's taking that picture with, with film. Film was what we used to have in cameras back in the day. And you used to get doubles if you were rich. Remember those days? And get it, de get it developed in one hour. Some of you, again, Ace of Base people are gone at this point. But 
My car was a 1984 diesel Jetta. I love that car. My father had hair back then, and he was painting the wheels. You can see it there. He's painting because even though it was rusty, it had to look good. And I remember this car. I love this car. It was a standard. It had 112 horsepower. There are electric strollers today that have more horsepower than that car. Some of your kids are going to Nova Kids faster than that car went. I remember that the heat got stuck on. It couldn't shut the heat off, which was great this time of year. But in August, it was horrible. It was like a sweat box. I would lose weight as I drove. It was fantastic. And windows were always down. And the cassette, cassettes were these things we used to have, Mercy, that you used to take pictures of with your film, listening to Ace of Bass. And we used to put cassettes in there. And I was a church kid, so I never had an Ace of Bass tape. I, I had a Petra tape, which I would tape over with Ace of Bass off the radio so my parents wouldn't know. But anyway, that was my first car. Oh, you can tell who grew up in church because they're laughing. The rest of you are like, I'm not, I don't know. That was my first car. I remember this car, I remember the exhaust started to rust out on, underneath it. You could put your hand up underneath and you could feel the, it was like a cave underneath there where it had caved in. This was my first car. Some, I have one friend here today, Tom, he, he stole more cars than I'll ever own. <laughs> Tom, where are you at? You here? I'm not going to point you out. Yeah, at 12. I'm not going to point out where you are, but when you were 12, Tom stole more cars in Halifax. Your cars are safe today. Tom's in here. And, but, but God got a hold of his life and has done a miracle. But you stole more cars than I'll ever own. You ever steal a five-liter Mustang? You ever steal one of those? You wouldn't steal one of those because they're not worth nothing. You know? I remember the, the exhaust rusted out on my, on my Jetta. And I thought it sounded like a five-liter Mustang. Everybody else thought that man has no exhaust. His muffler fell off. But to me, it sounded like... I would dream of a five-liter. I drove that thing. They said five-liter's Mustang went like a scared dog. I've never seen a dog scared, but that's fast. And I remember thinking, I don't know if this thing will go fast, but it sure sounds fast to me. My neighbors hated my car because I worked crazy hours. I would go to work at 5 and come home sometimes at 3 in the morning from work and being out with friends. And, I, and I'm, we had so many complaints from my neighbors about my car, which I thought sounded like a five-liter Mustang. It sounded like poverty is what it sounded like. Sounded like poverty. And I remember that I would get so many complaints, I would coast it. I'd drive into my neighborhood at speeds meant for rocket fuel and violent diarrhea. I would pull in sideways and then coast the last half a kilometer slightly downhill and then at full speed pull into my driveway just so I wouldn't wake up my neighbors because they knew the sound and we would get complaints. It's amazing how you can know things by the sounds and there's unique sounds. There's been a stirring in my heart these last few weeks and last few months of what is the sound our church makes? You know your relatives. You know, you, you know their cough. There's people in this room, you cough. I know you're here by your cough. I know by your amen. There's certain amens in this room. I'm like, oh, they're in church. I may not see you because of the lights, but when I hear your amen or your cough, or if you scratch your arm a certain way, I know the way my wife clears her throat when I'm in trouble and not in trouble. Come on. Sounds have a uniqueness to them. I've been thinking about this thought. I wonder what our church sounds like to God. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 is a story about sounds. I'm going to read a few verses today from this passage. And if you're there, if not, you'll see on the screen behind me. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. The Israelites, God's people, were freed from slavery. They were freed from Egypt and heading over to a place that the Lord called the promised land. It was a land that was promised to them that they could grow their own crops, dig their own wells, own their own land, um, have their own houses. After being in slavery for hundreds, four to five hundred years, 
they had this place. They, they sang about when they were in slavery. There's a place that we will have. It's a promised land. And now they are free. And this journey from Egypt to over to Israel should only have taken days, took 40 years because of their complaining and divisiveness and lack of focus. And now they have crossed the river, the border, and they're now into their promised land. And they're discovering that promised lands are not easy, though they're promised. And we pick it up here. Joshua, their new leader, who had just taken over, is now leading them into their promise, into what God had said was for them. Verse 1, now the gates of Jericho, this city that they encounter, they cross the border, they cross the river, the Jordan River. Now there's this fortified city that they encounter that is hostile and against them. It says, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut up because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I've given you Jericho, its king, and its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day. For six days, seven priests walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you're to march the town seven times. And the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast of the ram's horn, have all the people a shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into this town. So Joshua called the priests to take up the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and assigned seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, march around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the Ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke, the seven priests with the ram's horn started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the Ark of the Covenant followed behind them, and some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns and some behind the ark and the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout. Do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word out of any of you until I tell you to shout. Then shout. The ark of the Lord was carried around and around and around the town once that day and then everyone returned to spend the night at the camp. Verse 12, Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord again. The seven priests with the ram horns marched in front of the Ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. And again, the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns and behind the Ark of the Lord. And all this time, the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day, they got up again, marched around the town, and returned to camp and followed this pattern of walking around the city once a day, for six days, it's walking around these walls. Their promised land. They were promised a place where they didn't have to fight for their freedom. That they could plant their own crops. They could dig their own wells. They could build houses. They could raise kids. They could have the grandkids over. And they, this town stood between them and their promise. And they just kept walking around the walls. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up. And marched, they had marched around the town as they had done in the days before. But this time, they went around seven times. On the seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast of their horns, Joshua commanded the people, who were told to remain silent, don't say a word. He said, shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed. 
This morning for a few minutes before we worship today, I just want to speak again about the sound our church makes. Here's a few thoughts on this passage today. It's been stirring in my spirit for some time. My first thought is this, that promised lands still have obstacles. Just because it's promised doesn't mean it's easy. There are still obstacles in every promised land. They say the walls of Jericho um, are estimated to have been built around 8,000 B.C., making them one of the oldest known fortifications in the world. They have found the ruins. One of the oldest fortifications in the world is Jericho's walls that fell down. They say the walls were so thick that you could ride a chariot on top to around to check out what was happening 360 around this city. These walls were of substance and substantial. In verse 1 and 2 of chapter 6, it says the gates of Jericho were tightly shut up. No one was allowed to go in or out. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its warriors. Today I want to encourage you, church, just because it's promised doesn't mean it's painless. I believe God's promised us as families, as singles, as young adults, as seniors, as a church, he has promised us things. But sometimes we confuse promise with painless. Just because it's promised doesn't make it painless. There are still obstacles in promised lands. Scripture wanted to teach us that. Just because God said it doesn't mean it won't have obstacles. You need to know today that there are promises for you. I don't know if you think about the promises of God. That's why we are obsessed with Jesus and the word of God because there are promises from heaven for us. Some of you, I want to remind you of some of these promises. Others of you, I want to maybe instruct you on the promises that God has promised for you. Yes, you today. Whether you're just starting your journey with God, whether you're just curious about faith, or maybe you are a follower, a passionate follower of Jesus, there are promises for us. Promised land to live in. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. There is a promise of peace. In the middle of an anxiety generation obsessed with overthinking and fixation and dealing with the, the side effects of depression and anxiety, you need to know today that peace is promised. Feel it. You just put your thoughts on him, fix your thoughts on him, not on culture, not on the news, not on balloons, not on UFOs, not on gas prices or inflation or loblaws. If you put your thoughts on the Lord, it's a promise of peace. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He'll never fail you nor abandon you. There's a promise of presence promise of presence, that the Holy Spirit is with us, that we are not here and God is only in this room or whatever room we rent and eventually a room that we were own. You just don't come and meet God in church for an hour or two hours on a Sunday and then say, I'll, I'll come back and get see you next week. We don't have visitation rights with the Holy Spirit. He actually lives with us and we have a promise of presence. Whether I go into the most depths of hell or the heights of heaven, whether I am uh, in places that exalt God or curse his name, we are promised that he will never leave us nor forsake us. We have a promise of presence. Make no mistake, you are not alone. You are not alone. 
When was the last time you were all alone but didn't feel lonely because you had the presence of God in your life? He is with you. He wants to be obsessed with you and possess you and be in your life. There's a promise of presence. Come, Holy Spirit. Psalm 32, verse 8. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best way for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. There's a promise of guidance. We're not wandering. We're not aimless. We're not trying to flip a coin to figure left or right. We don't need to do a, a pro and cons list with our eternity or our salvation or our faith or the call of God on our life. It is promised that we will have guidance. It is not easy. It is challenging, but make no mistake, we are on course. We are, our direction is set. Our gaze is fixed. God will lead us. It says he puts his word as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Though it is dark, our path is not dark. Though it is unknown, our direction is known. We may not know tomorrow, but we know the one who holds tomorrow. There's a promise of guidance. There is a promised land we're to live in. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on the wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Thankful for the promise of strength, the promise of strength. There's a season when we need strength. There's a promise of strength. Feel that today. Let the Holy Spirit even fill you today going, I don't know if I can make it through this marriage, this job, through my faith, through my, through my mental health. No, today there is a promise. Online church, wherever you're watching from today, there's a promise of strength. Church, listen to me. There is a promise of strength. I need the strength of God. Even last night I was saying, God, you have promised strength, and I receive it. Listen, there is a promised land for us to live in. This plan that God unfolded to Joshua, which Joshua unfolded to the people to take over Jericho, this promised land that had obstacles, that was not painless, but it was promised, had three main points, and I think they're interesting for us. 2023, we're now into our second month of this year. I felt like January took forever and February is gone. Come on, somebody. There is a plan for this year for your life. There's promises in your life. But God has a plan. God gives plans. See, a dream without a plan is just a wish. We got people wishing, man, one day I wish I could do this. And man, I just kind of wish someday I could go there. Maybe someday I'll be able to have that or maybe be able to go to that level. Man, I wish I could pray like so-and-so. I wish I could... I worship like so-and-so. I wish I had the marriage of so-and-so. I wish that my kids were like so-and-so. I wish that I felt like so-and-so. Listen, a, 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 a dream without a plan is just a wish. God doesn't give wishes. He says there's a promise, but he also gives us a plan. Verse 10, part of the plan, point number one of this plan was to keep quiet and march. Now, if I wasn't the professional minister of the gospel I am, I would have made that point, shut up and walk. But I didn't, because I didn't want to offend anybody. So that's not my point. I said it more eloquently as a 47-year-old man who's not trying to be brass or, or abrasive. I said, keep quiet and march. But part of me is thinking the other point. Keep quiet and march. The battle was in silence, and the victory was in the shout. The battle was in the silence. Isn't it so hard to keep from complaining and questioning? Or just me? I'd rather resist than relent. 
so hard to keep from complaining or questioning. The prior generation to this, the Israelites, the reason why they didn't come over to the promised land was because of their complaining and their doubt. Read scripture. It said, okay, you know what? They came back. They went over the river, looked at Jericho and these people, and they came back and said to the leaders, we can't do it. They said, we're like grasshoppers compared to them. They're, they're stronger than us. They're faster than us. They got walls. They chariots going around. We can't do it. And God goes, okay, because you're complaining, you can't go in. We're going to wait here until everyone over this certain age dies. There's your senior ministry right there. It turned into one big pallet of care. All the young people are just watching the old people going, you mean we can't go over until they die? Come on. How many of you didn't want no teenager cooking your food in that season? You didn't want no young adults. Come on. saying, I'll help you across the road, you know, give you a good old push. Put something a little spicy into your food. Come on. You got allergies. There was peanuts going everywhere in that season. People rubbing their hands with peanuts, touching everything. Come on. Let's get some people out of here. They were just watching going, another one bites the dust. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I mean, Lord bless you and keep you. That's so, oh, oh. you know, I think this one's dead. The person's like, I'm just napping. No, no, no. Close enough. Let's get, no, I'm just sleeping. Bring out your dead. Bring out your dead. I'm just sleeping. They couldn't cross over because of their complaining. Isn't it interesting that God says here the battle wasn't, the miracle is not the walls coming down. The miracle is that church people didn't complain for seven days. That's the miracle. I like to complain more than I like to comply. They got a building. We're more spiritual than they are. We got more people than them. They're not even using their building. Man, like, why, 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 why do we have to have snow? Moncton didn't get snow on the weekend. Why do I have more month than money? Why, 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 why do I have that pain? Why did that person think that way and say that or didn't say that? It's interesting that the plan here was to keep quiet and march for six days. Don't say a word. Don't say a word. Just silence. And on the seventh day, after we walk around seven times, there's going to come a time to shout. It's just to keep quiet and march. Listen, church, there is something about setting to the plan of God going, listen, I don't understand what's going on. I don't know why my teenager's not serving God. I don't know why my young adults walked away. I don't know why there's this tension in my marriage. I don't know why my family, I don't know why I got laid off. I don't know why, but God, you've given me a plan for my life. You said I can trust you, that you are my strength and my peace and my hope. And I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to shut up and march right now. And sometimes that looks like setting up lights and a keyboard on Sunday morning. It looks like going home for supper when you don't want to go home because it's ice at the table. Go, no, 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 oh, for better or for worse in those vows. I will just shut up and march. It looks like being faithful where God's called you, going, doesn't make sense. I got options. We can go back, at least in Egypt. They actually had food. They had, they had garlic and they had leeks and they had produce. And yeah, they beat us, but at least we had a place to stay. We're out here, we're in the middle of nowhere. I'd rather be a slave than to deal with giants. And Joshua said to them, just shut up and march. Just be quiet, don't question, don't complain. Just the battle was in the silence. I felt God say to some of us, we just need to just zip it in our thoughts, complaining all the time in my thoughts, going, but I deserve, I should have, why don't we? And just go, no, no, no. God, you give me assignment to love my spouse, to love my kids, to love my boss, to love my employees, to love the assignment. And God, I'm just going to trust you. 
I trust you. I don't need to understand it. To trust you. I don't need to understand it. To trust you. You've given me a direction for my life. I know your voice. Silence was the biggest miracle here. Second part of the point in verse 6 says, carry the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant would represent the presence of God. Carry it and march. It says, presence of God and worship. Zechariah 4.6 says it this way. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It's not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven armies. It's not by catapults or swords. It's not by your ingenious plans. It's not if we build, if we dig a ditch here, we can surprise them with a frontal attack. We can, we can put a, like a Trojan horse and we could surprise them on the front and then we could actually attack from the rear and we'll get this strategy. God goes, no, no, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. He says, carry the presence of God. Let them see the presence of God. That is the plan. We started a prayer room in our church six months ago. Right now we have two of them, Tuesday nights for ladies and Everyone's welcome on Friday mornings at 6.30. Something is happening in our prayer room. Friday morning, as a man of faith, I only put out so many chairs. It's 6.30. And people started coming through the door. We had to put out more chairs. Standing room only at 6.30 on a Friday morning. And it's, we just worship and we pray and God is doing something. It's small. It's like a mustard seed. It's like a cloud the size of a man's hand. It's, it's, it's small, but I know this. Seeds grow into something large, and something's happening in our prayer room, and we're not seeking a plan. We're seeking the presence of God. Saying, God, it's not by might. It's not by marketing or Facebook or Instagram. It's not by speeches or lights or worship teams. It's not about guest bags and guest walls and next step. But, God, we want to follow your presence, the presence of God Church, I want to encourage you, put the presence of God in your life, the hunger for the presence of God. Presence of God. Verse 20, last part of the plan. It says to keep quiet and march. Then it said, carry the presence and worship. And then it said, then shout in verse 20. When I tell you, shout. Notice that the shout was before the walls came down. Notice the shout was before the victory. Church, don't mistake celebration with anticipation. There is a difference. Celebration is a shout in response to victory. Yesterday I was shouting as my soccer team Arsenal came back, being two down with 30 minutes left in the game and winning 4-2. I was shouting from a place of victory in response to winning We shout at touchdowns. We shout at good news. We shout at graduations. We shout when houses are bought. We shout from a place of celebration. But anticipation is a different kind of shout. Shout from a place of faith before you see the victory. That's the difference here. They said, when we say be silent, you're going to walk. You're going to walk in the line. You're going to be silent, and you're going to carry the presence of God. But then there's going to come a time to shout in a place of anticipation, a place of faith. Oh, church, that we would know the surrender of silence and the power of the shout. The before shout is something God is teaching our church. The before shout. Before it's figured out, we lift our hands in worship and we sing in private and in public, going, no, no, I may not see the victory, the walls may still be there, but I have been promised and I am walking and God has a plan and I will shout before I see it. I'll shout before it's figured out. 
I'll shout before I feel better. I'll shout before I see the solution. I'll shout before the walls come down. Church, there is a shout of anticipation, a shout of faith that God is bringing to his church. I wonder what our church sounds like in heaven. Heaven is watching our service today online and in person. And like some of you online going, oh, the sound's not on. We get comments once in a while. Texting, the, the sound's not on, the sound's not on, there's something wrong with production, and sometimes we go back, no, it's, it's your device, just hit that button and make sure the sound is on. I wonder if heaven was watching today what they would, if they hit the sound, what the sound they would hear from our church. Anybody can celebrate after the victory. Anybody can celebrate after the touchdown, after the building is bought, after the marriage is restored, after the healing, but there is a place of anticipation of faith, the before shout, which is powerful. It's a place of sacrifice and surrender and obedience, going, I don't see it, I don't feel it, I don't know it, but I believe it. God, I'm shouting now knowing the victory is in the Lord's. Don't underestimate the impact of your praise and your shout on the next generation. Parents, I'm talking to you. Grandparents, listen to me. It says in Psalm 145, verse 4, One generation shall praise thy works to another. That word praise is a Hebrew word meaning Shabbat, which means to address in a loud tone. It said when you praise, it's a loud tone. It's a shout, and it stills the enemy. It's a shout that commands a victory. It says, don't forget to praise his works to the next generation. When we lift up a shout, whether we see the walls down or not, there's something that happens to the next generation. Let it be said of us and our church, our sound is on today. And there's a sound in this place that rattles Young adults, and young adults, your worship and your shout rattles teenagers. And teenagers, your shout and worship rattles young people and kids. And there's a shout to the next generation going, what's all the shouting about? It's a shout of anticipation. And our shout brings down walls. Psalm 98, verse 4. Shout your praises, same word. It's a loudness that stills the enemy. Shout your praises to God, everybody. I love this. Let loose and sing. Strike up the band. Look at this, we got a band. The crowds shout after a victory. We call them fans. Today, all over the world, our stadiums filled with people, fans, shouting after victories. The church shouts for the victory, and that's called faith. I don't want to be a fan of Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. I wonder what our church sounds like. Church, I don't want you to silence your shout. We're marching, we're obeying, but today I want to give you a chance. I don't know what the walls are in your life. I don't know what the obstacles are. I don't know if it's a marriage. I don't know if it's mental health. I don't know if it's your kids or your grandkids. I don't know if it's your parents. I don't know if it's the place you work. I don't know if it's the pressure of the situation you're in. I know as a church, we have needs. We have plans that God's called us, promises that he's promised us. And there will be hundreds, if not thousands, that will cheer when the walls come down. People that will congratulate you on Facebook on that miracle. People that will celebrate with you. They will celebrate. They'll be cheering you on. They'll be fans of what God's done in your life. But God is calling his church with a shout of anticipation before the walls go down, before the marriage is restored, before the building is bought, 
before that healing is seen, before that, that, that miracle is, is, is revealed, going, no, no, I believe it. I have anticipation. I'm not a fan. I have faith today. Do not silence your shout. That's why we worship. It's not Christian karaoke following the dancing ball. I understand that when I worship and I lift my voice, it's a place of anticipation. Going, no, no, heaven, I know you're watching today, but turn the sound on. Because when you say to shout, I'm going to shout from a place of victory today. I may not see it, I may not know it, but I believe it. You have promises for me and my family and my life and our church and our future, and I will stand in a place. Sobriety is a promise on your life. You've been going around these walls for a while. Sobriety is a promise for your life. We're going to shout from a place of anticipation in this place. We're going to worship. And you stand to your feet all over this place. I don't know what your walls are today. I don't know what your Jericho is today. But I know this God has a promise. God has a plan. And God has a people. Church, we're going to worship today. That's how we're going to close this service. The brand's going to lead us for about 10 minutes. Can I encourage you today? You're like, oh, I don't really sing in church. Don't be a fan. Have some faith. Sound on. Do not silence your shout today of worship. And watch what God will do. When we worship, when we sing, when we praise God in our weakness, in our complexity, in our confusion, we know this. God is good. He has a plan. We value His presence. We keep on the path he's called us. And when it's time to shout, we shout. Sound on. What does our church sound like? It sounds like faith. Amen. Pastor Matt, would you lead us today? Thank you for this, Brian. Pastor Matt, would you lead us today? Church online, I don't care where you are. If you're in a lunchroom, you're in your car, you're in your apartment, you got roommates that don't even know you're watching church. It's time to shout. It's time to sing. Church, it's our time to sing. Our kids, let our kids hear our worship. Let our young adults hear our worship. Let heaven hear our worship and let hell fear our worship. Let's worship God. Come on, church, would you just lift your own song, your own prayer, your own voice? Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me Come on, reach out to me Waiting for change to come Knowing the battles won For you have never failed me yet Come on, let's declare this Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in your this is my confidence, you never fail me yet. No, you never fail me. 
How many have something they're believing God for? Got a wall that needs to come down. Some promises in your life. A shout of anticipation. You know what else God's promised? Salvation. Some of you walked in here. Maybe it's your first time. Maybe it's not. You're far from God. The Bible promises. It says if you confess with your mouth, notice that. The sound. And believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. You're saved. Listen, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. No more than pulling into a garage makes you a car. Or a 1984 diesel Jetta. There's a sound and a faith. If you say, Mike, I don't know Jesus today, we're going to sing in a moment. We're going to pray for those walls to come down. We're going to sing a shout. But today I want to give an opportunity for some of you for the walls of separation between you and God to come down. You walk in here going, I like church, I like people, but I don't know God. I'm not a follower of Jesus. I'm a church attender, which is awesome. But I want to be a Jesus follower. A miracle will happen. He comes into your life and he starts to direct you. He's not just forgiving you for tomorrow, though he will do for yesterday, though he does that. Your sin and your shame, he will forgive you. He's not just putting you in heaven in your eternity, though he promises that. He actually promises he'll lead you from this moment on. You say, Mike, I want you to pray for me. I've never prayed that prayer, or I prayed it a long time ago, and I am not following Jesus. It's dark in here, so it's not for me. It's for heaven. With every head bowed, just for a moment, every eye closed, you say, Mike, I want you to pray for me. I want to pray that prayer. As a sign of faith, I'm going to raise my hand to say, pray for me. If that's you, with every head bowed, would you raise your hand on three? One, two, three. Just raise your hand real high. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Put it right back down. Let's pray. Would you say this after me? Everyone in this room, whether you have prayed this prayer 50 years ago or two weeks ago or today is your first time, would you pray this after me and say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are the Son of God. Would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for my sin? Would you remove the wall that separates me from God? Would you remove the wall that separates me from God? Would you come in and direct my life? Would you come in and direct my life? I choose to follow Jesus. I choose to believe in Jesus. Choose to believe in Jesus. I love you. I love you. I need you. Be my God. Be my God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can we celebrate those people today? Come on, Pastor Matt. If you prayed that prayer today, would you also stop by the yellow wall? We want to make sure we celebrate with you. Church, can we turn the sound on right now? In your voice. Can we sing this song? We sing Good Grace. Can we sing this as loud as we can as we get ready to close? Will you this be an activation, not of celebration, but of anticipation? God wants to do something. Amen? We're not done. This is the moment. Lift your voice. There's a sound. What does our church sound like? I think it sounds like faith. We've rented Rebecca Cohen for Easter, and we want to fill the room with praise. It starts now. We're going to celebrate on Easter, but we anticipate now. Let's sing. Let's lift our voice. Come on, Pastor Matt.
children of generations of every nation of kingdoms. So don't let your heart be troubled. Hold your head up, I don't fear no evil. Fix your eyes on this one truth. God is madly in love with you. So take courage, hold on, be strong. Remember where our help comes from.
is in his blood. Come on, lift your voice. Jesus, Lord of heaven, forever, his kingdom come. Come on, if you believe it, lift up a shout. Well, church, as you go, let's go in victory, believing that God has already won the battle, and we're just waiting to see it. Amen. Amen. We'll be blessed, church. Go pick up your kids, grab a coffee. We'll see you next week.